community for people who've given up on church but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Well, my name is Dean Moyer. I am the pastor of Connections and Spiritual Formation here at Westlake. And if you are new and looking for a place to connect, I hope that you'll contact me. I'd love to have a conversation with you and get you plugged into a living life, uh, pursuing God in the company of new friends. That would be my great desire for you this year. Well, uh, here we are at Christmas uh, and New Year's. I don't even know what to call it. Happy Christmas, a Merry New Year. I don't know what this, what you're supposed to say today, but it's a, it's a time of year that things are, are uh, new commitments are made, right? Uh, gym memberships go up. Uh, as you say, I'm going to, we actually have this bo- box of um, cookies, two boxes that the neighbors brought over, and, and it's just full of, you know, different forms of sugar is basically what it is. They look different, but they're all the same, basically. And I said to the, little, the children from next door, I said, are you just trying to make me fat? And the dad said, nope, jolly. <laughs> so, some of you are feeling particularly jolly today as a result of, of Christmas. But isn't it amazing how much of our Christmas celebration centers around food, right? When I think of my Christmas memories kind of growing up, I I think of my my brother and my mom who always had to have oyster dressing for Christmas. And I got oysters, but that didn't work. Uh, My my kids, for for whatever reason, when we say, hey, what would you like to have for Christmas when you come home? They they want a raspberry jello salad. There's no carrots or anything. It's just raspberries or marshmallows like we've had issues about that before. I'm wondering about you. Do you all have some family food traditions around Christmas? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. Well, what are they maybe? Maybe we could leave. A better question. Tamales. I saw that on Facebook. I was disappointed we didn't get the invitation, but thanks so much. Maybe next year. Note to self. What else? How about you? What else? Food traditions. Prime rib. Awesome. Yeah, we bought one of those. Felt like the Flintstones when we took it home. You know, it's kind of. It's, so, how about the rest of you? One more. Seafood. Seafood. This time of year, it's where do you get it? Oh, do you do little shrimp platters, the frozen ones? I live on the coast. Well, that's good. Well, our staff this year celebrated food in, it, in a most amazing way. We had the very best staff Christmas party ever. I mean, really, several of our folks said, uh, how are you going to top that one next year? That's the best Christmas party I've ever, ever had. Now, before you go wandering down the wrong track, I'll, I'll tell you why it was the best Christmas party ever. We didn't go caroling, we didn't dress up, we didn't have the silly sweater thing going, didn't exchange anything. We got together and we cooked and ate the food we prepared. That sounded like fun. We joined our very own chef, Rob Marilla, who is a culinary instructor at Central Piedmont Community College, silver medalist with the AFC Culinary Team USA, and the 
Villor, I, I don't know, he did something and won silver medal in a World Cup. Look at that. That's our own Rob. We thought, what a better way to celebrate Christmas but to get together with Rob and have him teach us a cooking class and then eat. And that's what we did. So we prepared our own Appalachian Christmas meal. We got together. There's some pictures that Caesar will scroll through, Rob teaching us all these things. Uh, but the next one's kind of a, uh, there they are actually frying the meat. We trusted kids with fire and all of that. This is the, the red sweater potato brigade. It actually, it actually took three of them to make mashed potatoes. I, I don't know. It's just something I want to say, put out there. But they were really good, but there was a, a bit more science to it than just chopping them up. But they did a great job. And, and then finally, we just, we just had this enormous spread of food before us, and it looks good. And it was really, really good. We had the very best time. Well, Christmas and, and partings and, and even weddings, like the wedding we went to yesterday, it was the first time I ever experienced a reception that had a food truck. It was awesome. The barbecue Korean taco thing, oh my gosh, that was great. We had a great time. Celebrations call for good food. I came across this quote this week that says something, I think, rather interesting about the food that we eat. Some of you might recognize this uh, early TV food personality, Jeff Smith, the frugal gourmet, who says, feasting is cl also closely related to memory. We eat certain things in a particular way in order to remember who we are. Isn't that interesting? I think it's insightful. We find evidence of this in the Old Testament. Whenever God did something really big on behalf of His people, He had to stop what they were doing and, and remember what He had done. Often He had them celebrate with feasts. One such feast, perhaps you've heard of it, is the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You might remember the story it's about the Hebrew people that were enslaved in Egypt. And the Hebrews' leader, Moses, went to Pharaoh said, we've had enough of this. We want you to let our people go. And Pharaoh refused. And so, ten plagues came their way. Moses went ten times, and a plague followed each time. And the very last one, finally, the most horrible one, was the death of the firstborn of the family. But God said, okay, this particular plague, I don't want my people to experience. And so I'd like, Hebrew, my children, I'd like, I'd like for you to take the blood of a, of a lamb and put it over the doorposts uh, so that when the angel of death comes through, your family won't be touched. I, I will deliver you, but I won't deliver them, but I'll deliver you because you trust me. Passover. God instructed His people to remember this passing over with a feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, reminding them that they are God's people and He's their deliverer. The, the Hebrew people practice this feast every year right up through the New Testament, even into today, an era that, through an era that God promised to deliver His people. And they actually looked forward to, to another deliverer coming. So, as the Jewish people practice this, we find Jesus in the New Testament and His disciples this week before the crucifixion. They gathered 
in a room to practice, to celebrate around the table the Passover. But this night, something amazing was going to happen. Jesus was going to redefine what happened at the table. It was that night that Jesus started something new. When the Passover was nearly over, Jesus took bread from that Passover table, and He broke it, and He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And a little bit later on, he, he, at the, as the meal ended, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. I wonder if the disciples at that moment remembered an earlier teaching of Jesus that that when he told him, he said, I am the bread of life. If you take me and you're not going to hunger anymore. If you take me and you're not going to thirst anymore. I wonder if that was ringing in their heads. Well, after the resurrection and the New Testament church was established, we read in the book of Acts that the early church fathers took Jesus' words very, very seriously. So every time the church gathered, as the writer of Acts tells us in Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including this Lord's ta table and prayer. You see, we've established a new pattern for, for biblical worship. And in the passage that Emily read for us today, we, we find that there was an expectation Paul's saying to that Corinthian church, don't forget the real reason why you gathered. Don't forget about the table. Don't forget. In fact, he says, remember Jesus. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Well, do what? Well, Jesus said, remember. Remember that Jesus is the one that delivers us, the one who sets us free. Remember that He's the bread of life. Remember that because of Him, we will never thirst again. Remember that Jesus is the hope of the world. But what does it mean to remember? What's He asking us to really do? Well, the simplest way, I think, to look at that is just to look at the Word itself and say, remembering as though the members were apart, were remembering. Several years ago, we lived up in Boone, and uh, a house, a home, well, a monstrosity was being built across the lot from us. It was this beautiful log home, 5,400-square-foot cabin. <laughs> cabin. Well, the interesting thing about this home is that when it was designed and built, it was built in Upper Michigan, and they took these Lincoln log-like logs and stacked them all together. And I've, I've seen the pictures of what it looked like on their lot being constructed as the home. Well, they got it just the way they wanted it. They numbered all the, the logs. And then one by one, they took them off and put them on a semi-tractor trailer. And it made its journey to North Carolina. I watched the day that they backed it up onto the lot. And the crane came and stacked it all back up. And it was remembered right there on the lot. 
I remember Brian, the homeowner at the time, we were standing there watching the, the last one kind of go up, and he goes, well, you're looking at a million dollars. Just a little cabin in the woods. <laughs> it's amazing, this word remembering. It comes alive when Jesus says it. When He says it, it's not unlike this remembering picture. The word, the word is actually anamnesis is the Greek word that's used here. An interesting word that might sound kind of familiar to us. Think of another word like amnesia, right? It's kind of the loss of memory, not having a relationship with the past, not knowing who you are. Anamnesis, Jesus' word here, is a purposeful remembering of the event the table represents. It's not some passive thought, but ra rather some great, this, it's a grace-filled activity around the table. It's not just simply recalling what the house, the cabin looked like in Michigan. It's the reconstruction of it at home. It comes alive. It's remembering. So when, when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he's inviting those of us who, who, who love him to enact his story of delivering us, to enliven the reality of Jesus in our lives. It's real. You see, remembering is the remedy for our spiritual amnesia. Oh, we're so forgetful. It doesn't take long to be distracted by the cares of the world. It doesn't take long for us to, to, to forget what God has done. It doesn't take long for us to stray. And so this is an incredible gift that God has given to us that we might come around the table and remember all the realities of, and truths of Jesus at the table. Because when we come, when we remember, we remember who we are, and we are God's people. Remember that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who is full of grace and truth. We remember that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive in Christ. Well, what follows the next phrase is something I think is helpful for us. Paul says when we remember, when we enact this story of Jesus, this relationship with Him, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Well, that's an interesting thought. When we remember the story of Jesus this way, what it means is that we will be proclaiming. We will be announcing. We will be broadcasting, shouting, yes, you will be preachers, storytellers of God's Word when we bring it to life at the table for all to hear. When we come to the table and remember, we should be reminded that we are a chosen race, as 
Peter says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And he says, yes, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of your darkness and into his marvelous light. When we remember at the table together, we tell the world of our oneness in him. One of Scripture's primary means of evangelism is your love. Did you know that? Jesus said it. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we feast at this table, we are nourished to proclaim Him in our homes. Psalm 145 that we recited back and forth together earlier tell, says to tell the stories of Jesus generation after generation to help our children and their children remember the stories of God. Paul reminds us that whenever followers of Jesus are present, in a place of gathering like this, there are those that don't follow Jesus. And do you know when we enact, when we say we come around this table, we are proclaiming to those that are listening, those that are watching, the truth and the reality of Jesus. Something extraordinary, spirit-filled happens when we come to this table. There's a very real presence of His grace and His joy and a hopefulness and a rightness when we remember the work of Jesus at the table. So today, as we prepare to flip that calendar to yet another year, I want to invite us to come to this table this table of remembering, what one writer calls the feast of the world's redemption. I want to invite us to come and remember the work of Jesus. Come and proclaim His victory, of uh, the victory that His death bought in His resurrection. Come and celebrate our deliverance to new life. I can't think of a better way to begin a new year than to celebrate, to feast with God's family around this table. So, today, we come to the table to remember. Now, this isn't a closed table. This is an open table to all who would profess Jesus as Christ. And so, to remind you of those truths, just before you come, I'm going to have you stand, and we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together a summary of our faith. I'm going to pray, and then I'll invite you to come to the table. And we do have gluten-free over on this side for those that are sensitive to that. Uh, but together, let's proclaim this truth of God's Word together. I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He descended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for sending us a deliverer in Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being our rescue. And Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering us with the life of Christ. As we come around this table, uh, renew in us an understanding. Bring to life and light the truth of the gospel. As we ask you to do your work in us and through us for the glory of Jesus, we feast together around this table. And on that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread from the table and he broke it and he said, this is my body. Broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup, the cup of the new covenant, and he said, this is my blood which was shed for you. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so together we come. Feel free to linger at one of the stations if you like you and your family to do it together.